All right, we're going to get into the teaching of the Word today. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to do my best here with with what time that we have, and uh, we have been. Looking at the spirit of Jubilee as we get ready to celebrate our 50th and the Jubilee being the, the, the 50th year. And, and we have been looking at how the Holy Spirit uh, plays a part in Jubilee. That with the Holy Spirit, we experience Jubilee not once every 50th year, not once every year. We experience Jubilee every day. All the promises of Jubilee are available to us as, as we walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so we've been looking at uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, and, and what that means. And, and today, we're going to dig into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and what that means and, and why this is a significant event. And so today, I'm going to do some teaching. We're going to get into the Bible today. You'll look at your notes and you'll think, man, there's a lot of scriptures in the notes. <laughs> I, I got a lot more that I didn't even put in your notes. Uh, so uh, uh, your notes have lots of white space, areas where you can fill stuff in and, 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 and add stuff. So the notes are in your bulletin. Uh, the notes are attached to this video on our website. The notes are attached to this audio podcast if you're listening to the audio. But here's our big picture point today. And also, uh, due to technical difficulties, if you look behind you, uh, my teleprompter uh, is on the blink. So I'm going to have to read everything off my screen because I don't have a teleprompter today. So, uh, But here's our big picture point. Here's where we're going in our teaching today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a promise and a gift available to every believer to see the character of Christ formed within us and people drawn to Christ around us. Right? That's what we want to look at today. The character of Christ within us and people drawn to Christ around us. Right? There's an internal and there's an external when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the significance of it. So let's start from Matthew 3.11. This is John the Baptist speaking. John says, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I'm not fit to even remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John the Baptist says, hey, listen, I'm doing one form of water baptism. But Jesus is coming. And he's going to give you a different kind of baptism. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So the first thing I want you to realize is that the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit began before Jesus even began his ministry, right? Before Jesus even got started, there was already this promise that one of the things that was going to mark the ministry of Jesus was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus, after he resurrected in Luke 24, 49, he instructed his disciples, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus says there is a promise from the Father that I have waiting for you. What is that promise from the Father? Well, if you go to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Jesus expounds on it. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. 
which he said, you heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus clarifies what is the promise of the Father? It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Where do we hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? From Jesus. He said, you heard it from me. And so I just want to share this with you. Now, I told you guys last week, I got a little inspired, and I got a little poetic last week, right? We talked about the faith to obey, the hunger to pray, and the perseverance to stay, right? Well, the, the anointing must just be flowing, because I'm going again this week, all right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a promise to believe and a gift to receive, all right? Come on. It's a promise to believe, and it's a gift to receive. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a promise. It was promised to every believer. It was promised by God the Father. It was promised by John the Baptist that we would receive it from Jesus. It's a promise to believe for. So before we dig into this, let's just ask the question, why do we struggle to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If it's a gift to receive, why do we struggle to receive it? Well, the first answer is simply lack of teaching. Right? There, there's a lot of churches that just simply don't teach on it. And there are some churches that don't necessarily deny it. They just kind of ignore it. They say, ah, we just don't want to deal with it, honestly. All right? We don't want to deal with the controversy. We don't want people to leave the church if they get weirded out over it. And so we'll just ignore it. If somebody asks about it, we'll say, yes, it's real, but we're not going to teach on it. And so there's a, a lack of teaching. There could also be misunderstanding. Right? We can have wrong concepts of what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I know I did. There were some things I was afraid of because I wasn't raised in church. I got saved at 22 years old. And suddenly I'm confronted with this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I had some misunderstandings of it, right? There are churches that do just flat out say it's not for today. It was for the Bible times, but it's not for today. One of the, one of the lines of reasoning that they will use to say that it's not for today is they will say that only the original apostles could baptize people in the Holy Spirit. And so once the original apostles died, the baptism of the Holy Spirit died with them. And I think, huh, that's interesting. Because the Bible says that it's Jesus who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, not the apostles. Other churches will say, well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just something that happens automatically when you get saved. And we're going to address that today and look at that. So misunderstanding. How about poor examples? Right? If you've ever been to a church and you've seen some people doing some weird stuff and you're like, this is weird, this doesn't feel like God, these people are tripping me out, we've had some bad examples, right? We've had some churches that maybe get into emotionalism, just get into just acting out in some weird things. And so we've had some bad examples, and so we're kind of standoffish about it. We're like, ah, I don't really want that. And then finally, maybe we struggle because of an unwillingness to yield, right? Because it's a gift to receive. If somebody comes to hand you a gift, you can reject it. You don't have to take that gift out of their hands. You must yield to that gift and say thank you for the gift and receive it. 
And so we can have an unwillingness to yield, an unwillingness to give ourselves completely to the Holy Spirit to receive that gift. So let's dig into our main passage here, which is Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 32. So this is the day of Pentecost. The very thing that Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem for has just taken place. The Holy Spirit has come. Uh, All the 120 believers that were gathered together were all baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues, and a crowd got drawn around because they all heard God being glorified in their native language. And then somebody started mocking them, saying, ah, these guys are just drunk. That's why they're acting so weird. They're just drunk. And so Peter stands up and says, man, uh, these people are not drunk as you suppose. But let me tell you what's happening. And then Peter begins into this sermon where he preaches the gospel. And we're going to pick it up here towards the end of the sermon in verse 32. This is Jesus, I mean, this is Peter preaching. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Who poured out the Holy Spirit? Jesus is pouring out the Holy Spirit. Jesus received the gift from the Father, and Jesus now pours it out on us. Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And so the crowd now is hearing this. And in verse 37, it says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, right? They were having revelation. We are responsible for crucifying the Lord. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are as far off. Listen, who is the gift for? As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. That doesn't say that the gift died with the apostles. That doesn't say that the gift was just for the time period of the book of Acts. That says that the gift is for everybody who calls on the name of the Lord. The gift is for everybody who has come to believe in Jesus Christ, right? It's for you, your children, all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Amen. So Peter said, repent, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now some people can misinterpret this to say that water baptism is necessary for salvation. Listen, there are no works that are necessary for salvation. We are saved by faith alone in Christ Jesus. So he's not saying repent and be baptized and you will be saved. No, he's saying repent, be water baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what we see here in this initial teaching, and I'm going to break it down even further, is we see three distinct 
experiences. First, we see salvation, which begins in repentance, right? We repent of our way of life, and we give ourselves to Jesus as Lord. So there is a distinct experience where we experience salvation from Christ Jesus. Then there is a distinct experience of water baptism. We are baptized in water as a public declaration, as an external sign of the internal work that Jesus has done in our lives. And then there is a third distinct experience, which is Holy Spirit baptism, that we are fully saturated and filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's see this play out in Acts chapter 8. Great persecution came upon the church in Jerusalem, and and so the church was scattered. And in that scattering, Philip ends up going to Samaria, and he starts preaching the gospel, and revival starts breaking out in Samaria. And picking it up in verse 12 of Acts chapter 8, it says, But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself, who was a local sorcerer, believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. So what do we hear here? The gospel is being preached. People are repenting and believing in Jesus, and they're getting water baptized. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Three distinct experiences. We see these people in Samaria. First, they believed in Jesus. Then they were water baptized. Then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. How about in Corinth? Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. It happened that while Apollos, I'm sorry, we're going to Ephesus. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. What does it mean that he found some disciples? These were people that were already given their lives to Jesus Christ, right? He found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So these are people that have believed in Jesus. They are disciples. They are followers of Jesus. And Paul comes and says, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, right? John the Baptist. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. So let's look at verse 5. So what does Paul do next? When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So the first thing Paul took care of is let's give you a proper water baptism. Then what happens in verse 6? And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. These believers in Ephesus, they had experienced salvation, then they got water baptism, and then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Three distinct experiences. Now, there was actually one time 
when God actually broke his rules. God actually broke the model, right? Which remember, the model serves God. God doesn't serve the model. So if God wants to change the model, he can change it whenever he wants. So there was actually one time when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit before they were baptized in water. What was that one time? It was in Acts chapter 10 when Peter and a group of Jewish believers went into a Gentile house to preach the gospel. And this was groundbreaking because Jews were not allowed to go into Gentiles' houses. But God told Peter it was okay. And so they went into a Gentile house, and this was the first time that the gospel was being preached to a group of Gentiles. And before Peter had even finished his message, before he had even given the altar call, it says that the Holy Spirit fell upon these Gentiles and they began speaking in tongues. And the Jews who were in the room were amazed. They said, God has given them the same gift he gave us. So why did God break the model that one time? Because the Jews would have never believed that Gentiles could receive salvation unless they had seen the gifts with their own eyes. And when they saw the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with their own eyes, then they were like, oh, okay. God has given them the same Holy Spirit he's given us. Nothing stopping us now from water baptizing them. And so they did. They went and they water baptized all of them. So God broke the model one time because he, he needed the Jews to believe that the Gentiles could also receive salvation. There's, there's typology of this all throughout the Old Testament, right? Typology means when something symbolizes something that's to come, right? So think about the children of Israel. They are slaves in the nation of Egypt, and Moses has come as the mouthpiece of God and declared God is going to lead you out of slavery and we are going to go to the promised land. What was that journey like for the children of Israel to leave slavery? First, they had to paint the lamb's blood upon their door so that when the angel of death passed over Egypt, it would not touch any of them. So their journey started with the blood. Then, to escape Egypt, God had to part the Red Sea, and they had to pass through the water. And then, after they had passed through the water, God appeared to them as a cloud. You had the blood, the water, and the cloud. Salvation, water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. It's typology of what was to come. John taught it like this in 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 6. He says, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. Right? Jews lived by a law that said that nothing could be confirmed unless you had two or three witnesses, two or three people to testify. And so John is saying that we've got three witnesses. We've got three testimonies. The blood, the water, and the Spirit. Salvation, water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. You guys tracking with me? Come on. What about Jesus? Jesus? Now, Jesus didn't need to repent because he never sinned, right? 
But Jesus was water baptized as a model for us. When Jesus came up out of the water of his baptism, what happened next? Bible says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon him, and then he went out full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus himself modeled water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. So let's, let's answer a question, because people will say, well, doesn't that happen at salvation? Don't you just get the Holy Spirit the moment you are saved? And the answer is no. And, and what I would point to is this, is that original group of believers, right? The original disciples, which we know ended up being a gathering of 120 people in a room. But we know that those disciples also were hiding out in a room right after the crucifixion because they were scared that they were going to get killed next. Man, if they killed Jesus, they're going to come get us too. And so they were hiding out. And listen, in John chapter 20 and verse 19, it says this. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So the, the, the disciples have already received the Holy Spirit there in the upper room right after Jesus was resurrected. But yet he still told them, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until you've received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible teaches very clearly that we receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, that God gives us a deposit of the Holy Spirit as a seal of our salvation. But that deposit is only the beginning of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. After the deposit, there comes a distinct experience of the baptism where we receive the fullness. So the disciples received the deposit of the Holy Spirit when they were hiding in the upper room. But Jesus told them, wait, and you're going to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So yes, we receive the Holy Spirit at the moment we're saved. But there is another experience. There is another gift, a greater awareness of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what is the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, you can see there in your notes that uh, we talk about two things, the internal and the external. So those blanks in your notes are that there is a filling and there is a saturating. The filling is internal. The saturating is external, right? See, when we're water baptized, we're saturated in the water, but we're not filled with the water, right? That would be water drowning, not water baptizing, okay? So we're, we only get the water on the outside, but when we get the Holy Spirit baptism, we get the outside and we get the inside, so the internal filling is to produce the character of Christ within us, right? In Ephesians 5.18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? So we are filled with the Holy Spirit as a marked opposite 
from what is called dissipation or sin or the lust of the flesh, right? And so when we are filled with the Holy Spirit internally, we begin to produce the character of Christ within us. We see the gifts of the Holy, I mean the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And in Ephesians chapter 5, right after it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it goes on to say, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So what Paul is implying here is that the filling of the Holy Spirit leads to this lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle of worship and community and gratitude and submission. That lifestyle is produced because we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? Jesus said, when you believe in me, rivers of living water will come flowing out of you. And the Bible says, this is John chapter 7, the Bible says that Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is going to fill us internally. And so listen, if, if you're struggling, keep falling back into the same sin. Keep going back to the same wrong behavior. Keep staying stuck in the same destructive cycles, the same uh, broken relationships. There is a filling of the Holy Spirit that will begin to produce the character of Christ in you and give you victory over those things. And then there's the saturating. There's the external. Acts 1.8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. So there is this external saturation to produce the power of God that we would draw people to Christ around us. That when we minister, there is a power. That when we share the gospel, there is a power. That when we pray, there is a power. That when we share our testimony, there is a power. And with this power, with this saturating of the Holy Spirit comes the gifts of the Spirit which God uses to build his church. And so we all operate in the gifts of the Spirit, whether it's prophecy or faith or miracles or, or servanthood or leadership or hospitality or administration or, or uh, 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 miracles or speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. These are all gifts of the Holy Spirit that he uses to help build his church and then also to advance his kingdom as we have the power to be his witnesses. And can we just talk for a second about being filled with the Holy Spirit? This verse in Ephesians 5.18, the, 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 the Greek language, the, the form of the word in Greek that says be filled implies a continuous ongoing filling. Because can we be honest as human beings? We leak, right? We got holes all over the place, right? We just leak, okay? We're just, uh, we could be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it all leaks out. And if we aren't continuously filled, then that filling will grow dry and it will grow empty. The best thing I could compare it to is a wedding, right? If we think about, okay, I'm getting married, man, we are going to have the most amazing wedding ever. And so we put a bunch of money and time into it. The decorations are beautiful. The food is top notch. We've got all of these special, meaningful ceremonies as part of our wedding that, that, that are significant. And it's, and it's amazing. And we, we put everything into the wedding. And then once the wedding is over, you stop paying attention to your spouse. You don't spend any time with them. 
You don't nurture the love. It doesn't matter how beautiful that wedding was. In a year or two, that marriage is going to fall apart. That's the difference between the initial versus the continual. Right? A lot of churches will focus on the initial. We just got to get people baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're just going to get you up here. We're going to pray and pray and pray. We're going to pray for you until you're baptized in the Spirit. And all right, let's get the next one up here. And then once we've done that, we think it's done. No. Just like having a wedding and then ignoring your spouse is not going to last, so is seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit once, but then not living in that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit where we are continuously filled. So we seek the baptism, and then we seek the intimacy and the continual filling. So how do we receive this? Let me have the the, the worship team come back up today. I'm out of time here. i got lots more notes, but I'm out of time. But I just want to share these last three blanks in your notes kind of as a part of sharing my story. So I came to Christ at 22 years old. I came to Christ in an Assemblies of God church, which is a, a Pentecostal church. They, they believe very strongly in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I was introduced to this concept, but you got to understand that prior to coming to Christ, uh, or not even prior, I, I'm still that way. It's just how God wired me, that I'm very much on things making sense. I want things to make sense. I want to be able to explain them. I want to be able to understand them. I want them to make sense. And so what did I do when I heard about this baptism of the Holy Spirit and the speaking in tongues, which I was brand new to this whole spiritual life, and it didn't make sense? Right? So what did I do? I started asking questions. I started studying and researching. I started reading the Bible. And so that first blank in your notes, how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, first off, we repent and deal with the sin in our lives, and we get water baptized. Right? We already covered that. Okay, so if you're on one of those steps, then let's start there. But if we've done those two steps, we've dealt with our sin, and we've been water baptized, what's next? Well, the next thing is faith. That's the first blank in your notes is faith. We've got to believe in it. We've got to believe it's real. Galatians 3, 2, Paul says this. He says, this is the only thing I want to find out from you Galatians. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, of course, Paul was asking a rhetorical question. Clearly, they had received it by hearing with faith. We receive the Holy Spirit with faith. We have got to believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is real. We've got to have good teaching about it. We've got to understand the truth of Scripture. And so that's what I did. I began studying it, and it began to make sense for me. And as I read the book of Acts, I realized the baptism of the Holy Spirit wasn't viewed as something weird. It was, it was the expected experience of everybody who was a believer in Christ. And I was of the point, right, I got saved out of addiction. I got brought off the streets. God radically transformed my life. So if it was from God, I wanted it. If there was something more I could experience with God, I didn't want to miss out on it. And so once it became real to me and I said, this baptism of the Spirit thing, this is real. And this is a gift from God. I want it. I don't want to miss out on it. I don't want to live my life short of everything that God has for me. I want it because I had the faith to believe in it. R.A. Torrey, who was a great revivalist and preacher back in the early 1900s, he said it like this, and this really struck me. 
we come to a realization. If I may have the Holy Spirit, then I must have the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again so we get that. If I may have the Holy Spirit, right, if it's an option, if it's available, then I must have the Holy Spirit. I must have it. And so it starts with the faith to believe that this thing is real, and I want it. And then the second thing is asking for it. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus said this, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? we got to ask for it. And that translation, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, the, the, the literal translation is ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. So once you have the faith to believe, I've studied it, I've looked into it, this is real. If I may have it, I must have it. And if I must have it, I'm going to start asking for it. Right? James wrote, you have not because you ask not. So I'm going to start asking for it. A part of asking for it is asking other people, will you pray with me? Will you lay hands on me? Will you pray for me that I might receive the Holy Spirit? God will give it to you. And so this is where I was on my journey. I had studied it. I came to the point where I said, this is real. And so I started asking for it. I started asking people to pray for me. I had my pastor pray for me. I had friends in the church pray for me. I started seeking it and desiring it. But it didn't come right away. And I don't know why it didn't come right away. Right? God made those original disciples wait for seven days before they received it. Others received it immediately. We don't understand God's timing. But God does something in us even in the asking. And so we ask and we keep on asking. And then finally, the last one is yielding. Again, we have to give ourselves to it. God gives us the gift, but we have to yield to the gift, right? Romans 6.13, Paul wrote this. He said, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, right? Paul says, present your body, present the members of your body, present all of your appendages, every part of you, Present it to God as instruments of righteousness. There is a yielding of our body to God. Why is the most common sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues? Because it requires a yielding of our body. It requires us to open up our mouth and to allow the Holy Spirit to have control of our tongue that we would begin to speak in tongues. And I know that that's a hard part of this that some people struggle with. And don't worry, we got more time next week to teach on that. But there is this yielding. God gives the gift. And I can share this from my own testimony. So I had been asking and asking and asking. And the Holy Spirit hadn't come. And 
Finally, at this point in my life, I'm living in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm in the Master's Commission, which was a ministry training program for young adults. And, and I'm in the Master's Commission, and we were having this night where we were all together, and we were doing dramas and different things that, that the Master's Commission is known for. And then it just kind of turned into this powerful prayer meeting, and this was this amazing night. And so I'm just there, and I'm praying, and I'm enjoying the presence of God. And then I felt something. Something was coming upon me. And you know what happened? I got scared. And I stopped and I withdrew. Like I, I physically withdrew. And whatever was coming upon me stopped. Why? Because I got scared in that moment, I didn't yield myself to it. And therefore, I didn't receive the gift. And I went home that night and I was distraught. I was like, I missed it. That was my moment. I'd been praying for it and praying for it. And then God finally answered my prayer and I freaked out and I got scared and I didn't know what was going to happen. So I withdrew and I just beat myself up all that night, man. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. That was a Tuesday night. The very next night was Wednesday night. It was youth group at the church. And so all of the students and master's commission went to the youth group. And wouldn't you know it, we sit down in youth group and the youth pastor starts teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And to me in that moment, it was a word from God to say, you didn't miss it. You're getting another chance. And I decided right there, sitting in my chair, I'm not going to get scared this time. I'm not going to miss my second chance. And so the moment the youth pastor did an altar call, I ran up to the altar and I kneeled down. And the same thing, I felt it coming again. But this time I didn't get scared. I didn't withdraw. I yielded myself to it. And the Holy Spirit baptized me. And I was filled with his spirit and I began to speak in tongues. And all the weird things that I was afraid of, like that I would lose control of my body or that I would do weird things, right? And right, I, I come from a background of addiction. And so, man, I had times where I would wake up and I wouldn't remember the last 36 hours and people would tell me about the craziness that I did and the ridiculous things that I did in my blackout drinking. And so there was a fear of that, that when the Holy Spirit took control, I was going to lose consciousness, and I was going to do crazy things, and I was going to be like running down the hallway of the church naked, and people were going to be telling me about it afterwards, and I was scared. But when I yielded myself, I realized that's not what happens. I was still fully conscious, fully aware, but I was yielded to the Holy Spirit, and the power of God filled me, and I spoke in tongues, and it was a glorious time at the altar we got to have the faith to believe for it. We've got to ask and keep on asking. And then when it comes, we've got to yield ourselves to it. We yield ourselves. We yield our mouth. We open our mouth. We yield our tongue. And we begin to speak in tongues. Come on, will you stand with me today? We've gone super long today. I apologize, but come on, we're church family. There's no other place we'd rather be. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray, and then we're going to sing a song of yielding together. And if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or maybe you received it eons ago and you've run dry, I'm just going to invite you as we sing this song to just begin to come up to the front up here. And as we sing this song of yielding, I just want you to take whatever posture you need to take to yield yourself. 
And then after we've taken a few minutes to sing this song, some of the elders and some of the deacons who, uh, 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 who come prepared today will just come and begin to lay hands on you and pray for you. And again, we're not going to make a spectacle of it. It's not going to be weird. But I do believe that if today is your day, the Holy Spirit will baptize you. You'll begin speaking in tongues, praising God, prophesying, whatever happens. But you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can see the character of Christ inside of you and you can see the power of Christ outside of you. Don't be scared. Don't withdraw. Yield yourself to it. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and begin to draw people? We ask in Jesus' name. Those that have been seeking, those that have been wondering, those that have been studying, is this thing real? Is this legit? Would you just come and would you whisper to their hearts right now, it's real? Would you come? The promise of the Father is here. Would you come? I've got a whole new life for you. Would you come? And I thank you, Lord, for the courage and the will to step out of their seats and to come. Lord, we just pray for an environment of openness here that nothing would hold back your spirit, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as the truth was spoken, as your word was sent forth, that it would take hold in our hearts. We would begin to see fresh and anew in the eye of our spirit the truth of what this is the hunger to have it, the longing to say, I don't want to miss out on anything God has for me. Holy Spirit, would you just begin to move? And as people are drawn, would they come? And Father, would you be faithful with the promise? And Jesus, would you baptize today in the Holy Spirit? We thank you for this. Let's just begin to sing. And if you feel the leading, if you feel the hunger for it, you just come, take your posture up here, Sing this song of yielding, and then we will pray for you. Thank you, Jesus.